Money Talk. Good morning. It's 8.03 in Hong Kong on Thursday, the 23rd of February. This is Money Talk on Radio 3. A warm welcome from me, Peter Lewis. Hong Kong Financial Secretary Paul Chan delivered his 2023-24 to budget speech Wednesday morning, which he said was designed to promote a happy Hong Kong. He appealed for residents to be happy and forget the misery of the past few years. In key takeaways from the budget presentation, there was pared-back support for individuals as the economy started to rebound, plenty of events planned to project an image of happiness in the city, and a renewed focus on long-term projects, such as the Greater Bay Area, Lantau Tomorrow, and the Northern Metropolis. There was some excitement among stock market investors as Mr Chan announced the trimming of the tax rate for first-time buyers of property and the possibility of investors being able to trade stocks in a typhoon. Mr Chan forecast the fiscal deficit will shrink to 54.5 billion Hong Kong dollars this fiscal year from 140 billion the previous year as the government scales back much of its anti-pandemic support measures. The minutes of the Federal Reserve's last meeting at the beginning of February show the US central bank inclined towards more rate hikes to curb inflation. The January 31st to February the 1st meeting concluded with a smaller rate hike than most of those implemented since early 2022 of 25 basis points. But the minutes said that the reduced pace came with a high level of concern that inflation was still a threat. The minutes said inflation remained well above the Fed's 2% target and labour markets remained very tight, contributing to continuing upward pressure on wages and prices. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand raised interest rates by 50 basis points yesterday to four and three quarters in the highest level to the highest level in over 14 years to tame inflation. In a statement afterwards, the RBNZ indicated that interest rates could rise further to ensure inflation returns to its target range over the medium term. On today's Money Talk to discuss the budget, we're joined by wealth investment strategist Enzio Ronfile, Nitin Dialdus, Chief Investment Officer at Mandarin Capital, and Stanley, tax partner at KPMG. And you can join in with questions or comments, text 6393-5925. Email moneytalk at rthk.hk. Take a look at our Facebook page, Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3, and on Twitter at Money Talk Radio 3. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. On Wall Street overnight, U.S. stocks wavered after the Fed minutes reaffirmed that further interest rate increases are likely. In addition, St. Louis Fed President James Bullard cautioned earlier in the day that the central bank's fight against inflation is far from over. The S&P 500 notched a fourth day of losses, falling 0.2% to close at 3,991. The Dow dropped 85 points or 0.3%, ending at 33,045. The Nasdaq Composite rose 0.1% to close at 11,507. The Pan-European Stock 600 Index fell a third of a percent, and the UK's FTSE 100 closed 0.6% lower. Hong Kong stocks extended their losses into correction territory Wednesday, fueled by worries about rising US interest rates. The Hang Seng Index fell 106 points, or half a percent, to 20,424. That takes the benchmark gauge's losses since its January the 27th peak to 10%, which is the definition of a correction. 
Shares of local real estate developers rose on the news of lower stamp duty for first-time home buyers. The Hang Seng Properties Index gained as much as 1.4% at one stage before surrendering gains. And the Tech Index stumbled by 1.4%. The Shanghai Composite Index, that fell half a percent to 3,291. In the commodities markets, oil prices are down for the sixth straight day. Brent crude oil fell over 3% to $80.49 a barrel. Gold slipped half a percent lower to $1,826 an ounce. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield fell three basis points to 3.92%. And the US dollar extended yesterday's gains. The euro is trading this morning at $1.06. The bucks at 134.9 Japanese yen. Sterling dropped 0.6% to $1.20.5 and 9 Hong Kong dollars and 45 cents. The Chinese yuan fell a third of a percent and is at 6.90.5 in offshore markets this morning. And Bitcoin is trading at $24,100. In Asian Pacific stock markets this morning, Japan is closed for the emperor's birthday, but Australia is open. The SX200 down a quarter of a percent at the moment. The Cosby, shortly after the open, has risen 0.8%. And it looks like the Hang Seng is going to start about 50 points lower in about an hour and 20 minutes' time. Times eight or eight and a half. We're going to discuss the budget, of course, this morning, and we have an excellent panel of three guests to help take you through uh, what um, Paul Chan said yesterday. We have with us wealth investment strategist Enzio von Farl. Morning, Enzio. Morning, to you, Peter. And also with us is Nitin Dialdus, chief investment officer at Mandarin Capital. Good morning, Nitin. Good morning, Peter. And also joining us, Stanley, who is tax partner at KPMG. Morning to you, Stanley. Morning. Um, let me start by asking each of you in turn just to give your overall thoughts and impressions. Um, uh, about the budget, if you could maybe summarise in in about a minute. Uh, Maybe, Enzio, you could kick off. Thanks for that, Peter. Um, I think the budget is pretty nondescript. First of all, there are three things. The deficit will keep rising. There won't be a speedy recovery through these budget necessaries. And the recipe for true happiness does not lie in food stalls. It lies in the education of Hong Kong. Now, on the deficit side, the revenue is going to be 642 billion, expenditure 761. The consolidated deficit of about 140 billion is going to be 2.5 times the original guesstimate. That's not good. We're probably going to be looking at a corporate gains tax in March of this year, so that's not good. Uh, maybe by the time they remove this, this mask um, law. The second point is that the speedy recovery isn't going to be so speedy because the government has decided that it's going to be internal consumption that's supposed to get that's supposed to get the recovery going but that doesn't work in Hong Kong which is very much a growth taker the growth givers number one has to be China and of course we know that we feel that it's not going to be recovering as quickly as all that it will still recover but not as quickly as people want to believe in the markets secondly the economic time in America keeps worsening a second growth giver the third growth giver is global trade well there the WTO has slashed its global trade forecast by 70% to a stonking 1% growth for this year 
The third point, the recipe for true happiness does not exist in, in, in building more food stalls at Disneyland, but I think in concerning especially the young people, better English, more vocational training, more social housing, mainland China keeps on prodding us, and then also looking at cartels and watering them down even a little bit more in the vested interests in Hong Kong. That's my view. Not so effectual. Other things need to be done of more visionary nature. Okay, well, we'll delve into some of that in more detail in a moment. Nitin, first of all, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's completely exciting, wasn't it? It's full of innovation, full of all these new ideas. Oh, sorry, that was me living in a parallel universe. Um, No, it was, as Enzo said, completely unimaginative, very, very non-innovative, very uninspiring, and, um, yeah, really not that excited about it at all. Um, my main takeaway is they thought they were going to get really excited over the fact they've reduced stamp duty, but that's not going to have really much an effect. The reality is as long as people have to put a 50% down payment on properties over $12 million, you're always going to have a problem with this property market. And if you've got to stop kowtowing to the developers and actually start letting people actually own their own homes properly, um, until then I don't really see how you know people are going to be happy on that side. And I agree, what's food going to do to make people happy? <laughs> Um, you know, it might be the way to a man's heart, but it's not necessarily the way to everyone's <laughs> heart, is it? Mind, yeah. Yeah. Her <laughs> mind, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I th- as I said, I think it lacked a lot of imagination and it was not visionary at all. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, Stanley, what, what about you? What about your thoughts? Uh, yes, I think from, for, as a tax practitioner, we, we do have some excitement uh, from, from the uh, budget. Uh, likewise, like the, uh, the, um, the patent box regime. Uh, as well as the enhancement for aircraft leasing as well as family office fund exemption. Uh, I think all good ideas and, and, and make reference to our friendly competitor. Uh, but I think, again, it's down to the uh, execution administration, and hopefully there are more to come. Do, you, do the three of you, do you think it was too cautious? Could maybe uh, Mr. Chan have gone all out to really do things to try and boost our economy and reclaim our, our sort of international hub status, which has obviously been tarnished a little, hasn't it, in the last couple of years? Well, I think it's a bit like pumping a, a, a tyre which has a hole in it, pumping air into a tyre which has a hole in it. I think that there's such fundamental issues here that need addressing. I mean, Hong Kong is safe, it's clean, and it functions. We, we, we love all that in Hong Kong, but the lack, the st- for instance, how can you be an international financial center with no English? It just doesn't work. How could you keep everybody occupied if there's no vocational training? It just doesn't work. We all need cars repaired, plumbing, piping fixed, roofs repaired. Who's going to do that work? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a, a roof doesn't care if there's a recession. It's going to, be, it's going to have a leak. I suppose, Stanley, to be fair, though, isn't it, he is constrained quite a lot by the fiscal circumstances. I mean, the deficit this year was a lot bigger uh, than forecast, $140 billion. And although he forecasts uh, that it's going to fall uh, next year, I think he said, what, around about $50 billion, it is still going to be in a deficit next year as well. So he's facing a deficit budget uh, next year as well as this year. Uh, yes, that's true, and and I think uh, much of it is uh, about uh, the uh, the extra expense that we have been spending uh, for the anti-pandemic, and hopefully uh, that that cost would go down. Uh, and and on the flip side, on the income side, uh, much of the shortfall uh, is coming from the uh, uh, less than expected uh, land revenue, 
And mm. uh, you, I mean, uh, the public were aware that uh, some of the uh, land sales wasn't going that well in terms of the uh, bidder's interest. Uh, and, uh, and part of it is due to the uh, interest rate hike uh, in 2022 uh, in a very rapid manner. So I think um, from 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 financial secretary perspective, he, he does uh, play a caution game uh, and uh, probably make a more prudent uh, estimation in terms of making the uh, medium-range forecast. Uh, again, this is uh, uh, expectation management uh, for, for the general public. Now, let me ask you about his economic forecasts. Last year, um, his economic forecast turned out to be way out. Uh, he was projecting growth, and as we know, we ended up with um, an economic contraction uh, that this year. Um, he's now projecting growth this year between 35 and 5.5%. And even going forward after that, uh, he's projecting 3.7% growth for the three years after that, even though before the pandemic, our trend growth was was 2.8%. He's really being very optimistic um, about the economy, isn't he? But is that realistic? Well, that's probably why he's recommending food stalls, excuse me, being so cervic. I just think that he's um, not being realistic, but you can't really chide them. I mean, long-term forecasts are always a bit of a throwing a baseball bat, throwing a baseball into the dark. You just don't know where it's going to land. So I kind of I sympathize with him on the growth forecast, but why it should pick up so strongly. The only argument that I can see is that having done so poorly this year, at least the base effect is going exactly. to be better. Um, but that's kind of that's cheating, really. Yeah, that's mm. what I was going to say. I was going to say it's coming off a low base, so what does that yeah. really mean? I mean, if we're mm. going back to where we were in 2018, we're still going to be well well. It's not sustainable there. either. Yeah. Mr. Chan did say in the budget somewhere that the government must move quickly and decisively to create new engines of growth. Did he spell out in enough detail for you what those new areas of growth are going to be? Peter, you're not listening. The food stalls. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, let's be fair. There's, I mean, there's the IT stuff um, with and the AI, which I think is going to be quite interesting on the tech side. Um, yes, they're going to put a lot more into events, and we haven't had those for a few years. Green financing. S green financing. So there are a few things out there which um, he has spelled out. Um, but, yeah, I think, again, like I said earlier, I think there could have been a lot more. Stanley, as well as new areas of growth, he's got to find new areas of revenue, hasn't he, as well? Did he, did he spell out where, where he thought they could come from? Uh, I think he, he played the game carefully by um, raising the, um, the, the revenue from, uh, say, the, the tobacco duty, mm. um, <clears throat> the, the progressive uh, uh, rates, uh, as, well, as well as the, uh, the betting duty. So um, there, there are the, there, those are the areas that with less controversy, although there is some uh, uh, objection in the society, but as compared to a general raise of uh, profits tax or salary tax, which affect more than two millions of taxpayers, he, he does play um, the game uh, towards the, those that are less on the dispute. And on top of that, um, to, in 2025, he is expecting to uh, follow the international tax standards to introduce what we call domestic minimum tax. And that will raise uh, additional revenue every year of uh, 15 billion. So, so I think he has that in mind. So, so he he's not touching the port that are, that are having much of controversy in terms of the tax uh, tax rise. Peter, you also allude to the capital gains tax that could be introduced in March of this year. Maybe when they remove the mass, we get taxes increased. Now that could be yeah. quite controversial, couldn't it? We don't have a capital gains tax of, of any sort here in Hong Kong. Yeah. But what he was suggesting was there was going to be a study uh, to, oh to look at a form of cap capital gains tax 
uh, for corporate uh, transactions in the in in the stock markets. What do you make of that? I, I love how he put that it's going to make it more competitive. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> you know, yeah, it's really, interesting economics. Yes, yeah. yes. let's add taxes because that's going to make us more competitive. Yes, <laughs> mm. um, yeah, some of these logics are quite quite hilarious. And um, also the administrative side of it. Oh yes, but, but completely. Sorry, yeah. yeah, no, no, um, I completely agree. Um, but I was going to lead. I'll say capital gains tax is one that I think is not necessarily going to be too positive, as we've alluded to. But I also think the betting duty. I think that's that's not a positive at all because we've saw that about twenty years ago when they tried to raise betting duty, and uh, betting turnover went right down because everyone mm. started going into the illegal bookmakers or and overseas. Mm. Um, so I don't necessarily think that's going to be as um, positive as people think. In fact, what I would have probably done is try and include more types of sports in that. Instead of just saying football betting, let's, in, you know, we're, we're losing out to legal or overseas bookmakers on the fact that people might bet on tennis matches and other stuff. Why don't we try and expand it? And therefore, you can increase your betting duty oh. that way oh. rather than, um, you know, increase the uh, football betting duty, which hasn't worked in the past. Stanley, what do you make of these sin taxes, as they're known? Uh, you know, a tax now on uh, on football betting is also raising the smoking uh, rate tax as well, isn't it? To uh, from uh, where is it? I think from sixty Hong Kong cents per cigarette, it's going to be with immediate effect. What do you make of these? Yeah, I think uh, that's. Uh, I mean, the take of the uh, government is uh, this is uh, part of it is a revenue raising measure, but another part of it is to to uh, have the uh, smoking prevalency rate to be reduced. Uh, of course, one may dispute the effectiveness of this because uh, the, the citizen may go for uh, illegal buying of, of those uh, cigarettes. Uh, but I think uh, again, this this is an area that would be a less a dispute, and more importantly, we are in the, in era that we need to uh, fight for corporates uh, and talent to come to Hong Kong. Uh, so, so I think it's a wise choice not to touch the profits tax and salary tax at this moment um, uh, and, and watch out for any development later. Including also the capital gains. I mean, how can you, on the one hand, attract corporates coming to Hong Kong, come to Hong Kong because you can pay capital gains tax? I can't figure that one out. Maybe somebody else can. So what do you make of the uh, the change to stamp duty for first-time buyers uh, below 10 million Hong Kong dollars? Is that threshold enough to really make a difference? Because um, uh, a lot of people have to buy houses over, over 10 million dollars, don't they, in Hong Kong? Yeah, and like I said in my uh, beginning interlude, I, I actually just, I don't, I don't think that's really going to have much of an effect. Um, what I was hoping for is, as I said, first-time home buyers having maybe a down payment of 25% across the board or certainly not 50%. And what that does is if you want to upgrade your home, you, you put this into perspective. I've got an $11 million home. I want to upgrade to a $13 million home. Instead mm -hmm. of having only had, say, two $2.2 million in terms of my down payment, I now have to up it to $6.5 million. I've got to find $4.5 million. That's not so easy to find. So what that means is people can't necessarily upgrade. But as they upgrade, that also brings in supply into the market because they're going to sell their apartment. Um, so it doesn't work, uh, and I think to me, again, it would have been a lot better had they looked at something like reducing the down payment for first-time home buyers across the board, allowing people to upgrade in that sense and bring in more supply on the lower end. Um, and that would have helped the market a lot more, I think, than bringing in a stamp duty reduction of, what, 1%, three-quarters of a percent? That's not exciting yes. to me at all. Stanley, people's tax burden 
is an effect going up this year, isn't it? Because although there's this reduction of 100% in salaries tax, it's capped at $6,000. Last year, uh, it was capped at $10,000, wasn't it? So it is, in effect, um, a, a sort of an increase in the tax burden for people. Uh, yes, I mean, that, that would be true as compared to last year. Uh, and I think this is, um, I mean, this is in combination of also the reduction in the uh, uh, rate concession from uh, four quarter to two quarter, uh, including the, way, uh, the rate recessions, the, um, the, the profits tax and salary tax rebate, as you mentioned, being less sweet now, uh, actually saved the government almost uh, $20 billion. And I think that that is also to address that um, the, the public uh, demand for sweetener uh, still and, and and also address the, the huge deficit uh, position. And, and I think from, if we look back one year ago, when, when, he, uh, when, when Paul uh, did the budget speech, we are in, in, the, in the story of the, of the fifth wave of the pandemic. And now, uh, one year later, we, we are almost having the, the uh, relaxations, except for the, for the mass. So I think it's a, it's a different time and moment. So I think the, um, uh, this is a good balance as to, to be, uh, reduce those sweetener. Tell me more about the Happy Hong Kong campaign. Mr. Chan's announced the launch of a new campaign. It's called Happy Hong Kong to host food markets for locals and tourists. The Home and Youth Affairs Bureau is going to organise a raft of local entertainment events, including large-scale food festival gourmet marketplaces, which bring together mainland Hong Kong and overseas gourmet food. Another highlight is the organisation of a large-scale sea and land carnival by the Hong Kong Tourist Board in the summer. Um, with Victoria Harbour um, as the backdrop. So we've, we've had Hello Hong Kong, now we've got Happy Hong Kong. What, what are your well, thoughts? Well, there's one way to extend, ex extend a Chinese banquet. You give the guest one chopstick. So um, what I mean by that is that it's just not going to be effectual. I mean, people, of course, people love eating here. We kind of figured that out after 35 years here. But I, I just don't think that's, that's, that's just, just not going to cut the ice compared to things that at least I'd suggested um, better education, better English, better vocational training, more emphasis on social housing, and that, and maybe making the place more affordable, that makes people happy much, much more so than a, a, a new bowl of noodles. If we're all going to be happy, wouldn't it be nice if we could see that we were all happy and remove the mask mandate? That's going to happen on March the 8th when they introduce the capital gains tax, Peter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but again, I mean, that's not really poor chance. Sorry. Uh, Rumor, yeah. is it? Yeah, so yeah. you can't really blame Paul Chan for the masks. <laughs> but yeah, capital gains tax. <laughs> well, the thing, one thing announced to, to try and make us happy, another round of $5,000 consumption vouchers. Oh, yes. Obviously, half the amount dispersed last year. This was a surprise Ouch. to a lot of people because uh, a lot of economists thought maybe the fiscal situation meant that he wouldn't be able to do this again and also that maybe... Um, there wasn't a need to have another round of consumption vouchers. So has he done the right thing here? Uh, I think the uh, the public has been asking for lobbying for the consumption voucher, and and I think uh, the the good thing of a consumption voucher is the limited uh, use uh, to be uh, to boost the local economy, which uh, we are expecting. There is a window uh, before the tourists come back in the later half of the year, so I think it's intentional to, to have the consumption voucher into two batches, of which one uh, the three thousand in April and the second one two thousand in the middle of the year. 
here. Uh, this is to capture and boost the economy by local consumption before the, the tourists return. I think that that is the strategy behind that. Uh, in terms of a qu uh, the quantum of it, uh, I, I think there, there are different asks in the society, but I think 5,000 is as is, is, is many people are asking for, and, and that's why he made that 5,000. Can we afford it? Well, obviously we can, but is it the best use of taxpayers' money given the tight fiscal situation? I mean, yeah, we can afford it, but um, I, I think maybe should have been a bit more targeted to say yes. it only focuses on people below a certain income Negative level. Negative testing, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I mean, you know, I don't think Alan Zeman needs his $5,000 to spend, does no, <laughs> he? No. So, yeah. But yet he's one that can get it. And I think... You know, I'm not trying to be facetious about it, but I, I think it should have been a lot more targeted. The people who don't necessarily need the 5,000 should not have been getting it. You could have saved that. And the guys who are really needy uh, and do need the... Maybe you could have given them 10,000 instead. Yeah. You know, it also would have given a better, what we call a multiplier effect yeah. in economics. In other words, it would have given a... They would have gone out and spent more, the poor people, than, say, you know, the, 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 the luckier ones. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree, yeah. Now, tell me about attracting talent. We were all expecting... <laughs> The, this campaign to get people to come to Hong Kong, which John Lee has said is a priority for his government. We all thought this was going to be a cornerstone um, of the speech. Now, he did talk about the capital investment entrance scheme, which gives those that invest in the local asset markets, other than property, um, uh, uh, an opportunity uh, to, to get visas um, here. But did you see any eye-catching initiatives that made you think, yes, we're going to attract talent here as opposed to, say, people going to Singapore course, or Tokyo? Of course, capital gains tax. <laughs> capital gains tax and the food stall in Disneyland, Peter. You it, must read also, your own notes more carefully next time. It's also exciting. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Let's go to Hong Kong so we can pay capital gains tax and we can eat food. Yes. But, yes. but what, what, what right. in particular um, you know, do we need to do? I mean, there was some talk, wasn't there, about things like fintech internship uh, schemes for secondary school. Uh, we uh, had that in Cyberport. What happened there? That seems to have sort of gone on the by. Well, I, I, think, I think talent will come if there's business. That's always the fact, yes. right? I mean, ultimately, China, if China opens up, China starts doing a little bit better. There's a market into going into China yeah. before come. Vice versa, if we show that we are really open to the rest of the world and the rest of the world wants to do business with us, we'll get the Chinese guys that comes over here who want to go and target the rest of the world. I don't necessarily think you know all these incentives nece necessarily will bring it in. Capital investment entrance scheme means you've got to invest quite a lot of money in order to come, so it's only there for the wealthy. The other talent one, which is qualification in terms of being at a top university, again, you're talking about high-end talent. What about the need? I mean, yeah. NCO in his beginning speech said, turned around and said that we need guys to fix roofs. We need yes. We need people. That's where a lot guys. of employment is. It's, yeah. it's massive. But the government, whenever I run it by them, they say yes. We must do a study, looking at me sagaciously. But we know what's going to happen. But I think the, the government wants people in key sectors, doesn't they? Not necessarily people to fix roofs, but people uh, but with IT skills, sector. with the, the yeah. financial services sector. That's that's what they're looking for. But look at the hospitality sector. I mean, they're running so short of staff, yes. and yet we're not attracting them. And it's a lower. Yes. There might be a lower end paid job, but we need those people. Why aren't we Absolutely. bringing Amazing. And that's, you know, if we're talking about events, yeah, if we're talking about events, we're talking about, you know, we want to open up to the world and we want to bring all these things, you know, we need people to run those things. It's, mm -hmm. it's not like a case that we only need top finance people and that's it. No, no. It doesn't make any sense on that basis, right? Stanley, final word to you. What about attracting enterprises? Has the government done enough here to 
um, attract companies to come and domicile in in Hong Kong, um, and because we have seen some move out, haven't we? Many to to Singapore mm, in the mm, past couple mm, of years. Mm. I think the domicilization uh, uh, facilitation is 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 a good idea, but is uh, we are catching up because our friendly competitor already ha have it for for quite a number of years. So we that is definitely what we need to do. Uh, the other measures, uh, for example, I think uh, the uh, speaker mentioned about capital gain, but uh, my understanding is they are trying to uh, clarify what is a capital gain so that so that they are not paying tax on those gains. So hopefully the, the, the government is running on that direction rather than the otherwise. Uh, in terms of the um, uh, talent, I think the government could do, do, do more. Uh, I mean, currently it's only that um, a capital investment one, but I think they could enhance the top talent and other schemes uh, to make it uh, to make it more attractive, and I think uh, Japan has just last week recently uh, rolled out a similar scheme, and they only want, need one year uh, uh, for for the uh, applicant to get the PR status. And and now currently Hong Kong needs seven years. I mean that's an area that they could rethink. Mm. But well, again, as, as Nathan was saying, Peter, just very briefly, it's it's really it, people don't come here because of cheaper taxes. They yeah. come here because they spot an opportunity to do something, and okay, that's why I think the GBA is important. Sadly, we run out of time. Um, sorry, so, before sorry we go, Peter, this is my last uh, time with you, so I just want to say thank you very much for all you've done, thank and you. uh, yeah, yes. we wish you all the best uh, for the future. Thank you, absolutely, Peter. Thank you. Thank you, you. You heard there our, our regular Thursday commentator, Enzio von Farrell, wealth investment strategist, Nitin Dialdas, who's chief investment officer at Mandarin Capital, and Stanley, who's tax partner at KMM, KPMG.